Welcome back to the Strange Water Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Here's the awkward situation those of us in this industry have found ourselves in. We unflinchingly believe in the power of crypto to change the world, and yet we're forced to reckon with the reality that, as of now, there really are very few use cases for crypto other than speculating on its own future use. But there's a world of difference between no and very few use cases. Let's run through some examples. I can send money to my family, even if they live in a country that happens to be on the USA's naughty list. Or I can store my wealth in US dollars, even if my country wouldn't otherwise allow it. Or I can flee a deteriorating society with real resources, all while keep keeping my real resources indetectable. Unfortunately, the vast majority of people that could benefit have no idea that this technology even exists. But fortunately, we have people like Thomas Mattimore who are betting their careers on solutions to bring it to them. Today, you'll learn about Reserve, an app that combines thousands of real-world users in Latin America with a protocol that deploys increasingly sophisticated on-chain strategies and a team that, as I always put it, are doing the Lord's work, giving crypto use in the real world. Before we begin, please do not take financial advice from this or any other podcast. Ethereum and decentralized finance will change the world, but you can easily lose all of your money in the process. All right, let's get started. Thomas, welcome to Strange Water Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rex. So before we kind of get into uh, this conversation, would you mind giving myself and the audience a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, let's see. So 10 years ago, I was a mechanical engineer uh, and then realized I didn't like mechanical engineering uh, and didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. But um I jumped into tech and so I've been in uh, product management in mostly fintech for the last 10 years um, and you know in that time I was always building uh, mostly building tools and products that gave people better access to different financial services whether that was um, like wealth management robo advisors or more efficient mortgages if anyone that's listening has bought a house you know how terrible that process is uh, and then uh, but I joined Reserve a year ago um, to lead the protocol team as the head of platform, uh, where I focus on everything from product uh, to growth uh, to you know everything that comes along with uh, leading a protocol team and building building in the on-chain world. Um, but you know what got me into crypto? I actually bought Bitcoin for the first time in 2014. Um, and have managed to figure out how to lose money in crypto in every single cycle <laughs> over the years. Uh, but kidding aside, I, I've always been really interested in like what are the things that could be built with this technology. Uh, and then in 20, you know, like I used the DEX, I think for the first time in like 2018. I don't even think, think it's around anymore. Um, but uh, the, uh, I, in 2020, um, or 2021 maybe, uh, I got a loan from MakerDAO uh, and it totally blew my mind. 
uh, it was the first time that I was like, wait, this thing that everyone's been talking about that's coming is here. Um, you know, in a couple clicks uh, and a couple transactions, all of a sudden, you know, I had myself a bunch of dye. Uh, and it was this like magical moment for me. I was working in consumer lending at the time. Um, and, you know, it took us 30 days to close a loan and tens of thousands of people to do it. Uh, and it was still really, really painful. And like, yes, uh, over collateralized margin loan is a very different product than a mortgage. Um, but the, the fact that only a couple people had built that protocol and written the code for it and uh, that I was able to do it in a couple clicks in a couple minutes uh, was just absolutely mind bending to me. And, I, you know, they were doing more lending volume than we were as one of the largest mortgage uh, providers in the country. And so that, that was like a like, whoa, this is an efficient thing. <laughs> um, and so that then I went down the DeFi rabbit hole um, and, uh, you know, went into basically every different type of yield farming that is available, every different type of uh, Ponzi scheme that was available at the time. Um, and but I really started to think about like, OK, it's here. I want to I want to jump in. How am I going to jump in? What are the. Um, uh, like what are the things that I'm really looking for? And I just started talking to as many p different people as I could. Um, and I found that, um, you know, I really wanted to work on something that had the opportunity for a great product market fit uh, and something that was useful for people today. Um, and then also I wanted to work on like a core protocol. Like I wanted to like, you know, build, work on the technology that is like the actual, right? And not like a thing on top. And so, um, you know, I, I got connected with Nevin, uh, the co-founder of Reserve, um, who leads the overall project, and it, it was just like immediately a, a perfect fit. It was, um, you know, stable coins in Latin America where people actually need um, access to stable currency and don't have it. Uh, and working on this like really interesting protocol that I think enables some fascinating uh, and actually useful uh, products for people around the world. And so I, I can go, you know, I'm sure I can go deeper reserve. <laughs> for sure. Let's talk about, I cannot wait to like jump into reserve and like the things that at least excite me about it. But before we get there, um, I, my, my question I had loaded for you, knowing that you're, you came out of uh, tech was to like really pick apart, like how you saw the world differently from the rest of like the tech cohort. And um, when you know, in my experience, the people that are in Silicon Valley today are perhaps like the most anti-crypto um, just, and we can talk about why if you want, but um, after hearing your real story, it, it makes so much sense to me that the guy who was already looking at Bitcoin in 2014 was working in like traditional legacy finance that has the problems that we're trying to solve and then having this aha moment. So your journey is very clear to me, but um, before we, while we're still um, hovering around this subject, do you just have any thoughts on um, why your experience and your journey into crypto was like kind of so easy and so linear and why most people that are working in tech and, and even in fintech seem to have like such a, a more difficult time to realize that there's any value here at all? Yeah, I mean, look, building products that get to huge scale is really hard. Um, and the, let's see, how do I distill this? I think the, uh, at the end of the day, people don't sell tech, they sell products and solutions. And what crypto has done for the last 10 years is in many cases sell tech. And it's like, uh, like Netflix, for instance, has never advertised 
we uh, and they're kind of famous for this back in the day, but like we build on AWS and uh, it's this massively scalable infrastructure. Like th that would be insane to put a marketing copy, right? <laughs> they advertise like we have a great selection of movies and it's fast streaming, right? <laughs> and, uh, what crypto's done forever is they're basically advertising these really slow databases. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> why would we care about that? And so, um, and there, at the end of the day, there hasn't been any breakout products, like consumer products. And so um, it, it's, you know, it's, I think it's really easy from a tech perspective to look at, you know, the Facebooks and the Googles um, and the Ubers of the world with billions of users. Maybe Uber doesn't have billions, uh, but, you know, looking at these tech companies with hundreds of millions and billions of users and say that, uh, like, these products have kind of won. Like, why would we use the thing that has like, uh, you know, hundreds or thousands or maybe tens of thousands of daily active users? Like, this is just like crazy, guys, <laughs> right? And so uh, I think that that's a really easy way um, for people to dismiss it. Uh, and then the other thing is that, you know, candidly, a huge percent of crypto has been scams and speculation. Um, you know, it's, they, they enabled like crypto enabled like the best online casino ever, uh, and, which it did. Uh, and you know, that, that's a thing. Um, some people like that, but you know, a lot of people don't. And so I think that it's like easy to write off, uh, crypto and DeFi and Ethereum in general, um, as scams and Ponzi's, uh, and speculation. And so it, that's like generally my vibe on it. Um, there's no like a, there's no centralized PR agency uh, that can do a, a good job of fixing that that story, and so it's a bit of a challenging thing uh, that like the general crypto community has to do. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it probably happens from great products getting built that get widespread adoption. Yeah, man, I totally hear you, and I think that uh, when I'm talking to people outside this industry who accuse this of like everything, including Ethereum as being a scam, like I have a lot of sympathy for them. And like, I, uh, there's like real stuff here that's very important to protect, but, um, like the reality is, is that like we enable some very bad actors and the, that those bad actors spill out into the real world. And I don't care if you're like talking about like, retail being dumped on or SBF trying to like change the government. So it screws like the little guy or, or whatever. But um, I do, I think for as much as like, we love to dump on like Gary Gensler and the SEC and all this stuff, it's just like, man, it, it is the wild west here. And um, the, the Debbie Downers, like they're not wrong. <laughs> so um, but let's, let's get out of uh, Debbie Downerland and let's move on to like, what, like, there is something interesting here and there is exciting stuff here. And like, I'm an Ethereum maxi, I'll own it. I think like that is what we're building. But what is cool about Ethereum is it lets anybody build anything on top of it. And like one of those things is reserve. So let's, let's jump into that. Why don't you um, give us just like the elevator pitch of what reserve is. And then um, I'm like super excited to hear you describe it and what you emphasize because um, well, we'll, Spoiler alert, like there's things about reserve that I'm so excited about that make reserve like just different from like what DeFi is today. So before I tell you what I think is awesome about your protocol, I'd love for you to tell me. <laughs> sure. Um, wow, thanks for that uh, pump up intro. Uh, so 
Our mission at Reserve is to help fight inflation and give people around the world access to stable currency. Um, we have a two-pronged approach to it. Uh, one is on the protocol side, where we have a platform that allows anyone to launch a stable currency. And the other is uh, we have an app. And so there's actually an app called Reserve uh, in 18 countries in Latin America um, that does, it has done like $300 million a month in monthly volume. Um, but what's cool about it is it's all real economic activity. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of crypto volume is all speculation, right? It's people trading dollars for Bitcoin back again. Um, that is actually like the vast majority of crypto volume. Uh, the, um, but in the reserve app, it's actually people paying at the store, people sending money to their friends, getting paid by their company via payroll, uh, doing cross-border remittances, all that thing. There actually is very little speculation in it. And so um, it allows people to go fiat to stable coins and back and do everything that, you know, in, in the U.S., where we are uh, used to very, like, pretty good financial services, um, it, it, it expands that access around the world. And so uh, on the protocol side, though, uh, we launched the platform uh, in October, finished all of our audits in February. Uh, the platform, uh, what it really does, it allows anyone to deploy a stablecoin or anyone to deploy a yield-bearing stablecoin or anyone to deploy a diversified basket of yield-bearing assets. Uh, and, you know, our vision is that over time, uh, experimentation in the market will help us discover what is the best way for people to store wealth over the long term um, and not only store it, but preserve it and grow it. Yeah, that's like the high level. But like, what is the protocol, actually? Uh, so when someone deploys, uh, there's actually three that are um, live now. Three different people and companies have deployed stablecoins on the platform. Uh, one is called USD. This is the first one. Um, it's a diversified basket of things like USDC and Tether deposited in Aave and Compound. The yield from those underlying positions uh, all goes to an over collateralization pool where people can stake their RSR, uh, which is our governance token, uh, in, exchange, in exchange for the uh, yield from the underline. Um, they are the first capital at risk in the case of a DPEG. And so two weeks in to this thing being launched, actually, USDC depegged, which no one was expecting, right? And um, what's really cool is in normal course of operations for the protocol, it can, it can sell off bad collateral or defaulted collateral uh, and then make up the difference with the RSR in the over collateralization pool all before banks open their uh, doors on Monday. Um, and so it's like, a, it's a pretty interesting thing. And, you know, I think that people in crypto and in DeFi uh, don't value diversification in the same way as the rest of the financial world. Um, and I think that that will become a bigger thing. Uh, but you know, like traditional finance, like diversification is king, right? It's like, let's make sure that we can diversify like our downside, um, have diversified exposure for like various different types of upside, et cetera. And, you know, crypto for a long time, there's been so many, you know, we talked about this a bit, there's been so many scams that diversifying was actually like a bad idea. Right. <laughs> it's like, do I want to diversify my holdings into the top 10 things on coin market cap? Probably not. Right. Uh, in terms of like a long term investment thesis. But, you know, for stable coins, we've actually um, we launched a beta in 2019 that was called RSV. And it was just USDC, PAX dollar and true USD. Uh, and then in a six month period, we actually had to change that basket three times because of things that were going on in the market. <laughs> and so like 
people change, companies change, markets change, and so the ability to update a basket over time uh, and adjust it based on what's happening in the market is really interesting, and I think people will start to value it more in the future. Yeah. So, okay. I, as you have split up the um, reserve into protocol and platform, let's split up the conversation as well. So, and sorry, just to be clear, the is it fair to um, is the protocol basically everything that happens on chain, and the platform is like the app and the real world use. Exactly. Yeah. So the app, um, the app is separate. Uh, we actually kind of operate as two independent companies, um, and so the protocol team, which is the side that I lead. Um, is just focused on on-chain. And so the protocol uh, is a platform that allows people to launch these currencies. And then, um, you know, we are trying to help the ecosystem grow so that it can be sustainable in the long term. So is it fair to say that um, the, like the app and that platform is like about like building financial services and then the protocol and everything that happens on-chain is about building diversified like safe exposure to those assets and then both of them are like valid and like could stand on their own but like you're building them together to build like a a one plus one equals three uh experience exactly and so um what's really cool about stable coins uh is anyone can hold them uh and they're really easy to send around right um and it's like a dollar that anyone around the world can use um the the app it's an off-chain app um and it you know gives people superpowers by in developing countries where their currency is devaluing you know seven percent a week instead of seven percent a year uh it allows them to use these stable coins to store their wealth um and then actually pay at the store with them and immediately convert to local fiat well and so how do people experience this um outside of crypto world. So like if I am, let's say in Argentina or Colombia or wherever, just picking countries that I know have inflation problems, right? And uh, so I download the app. Well, <laughs> um, I download the app. Am I experiencing this as cryptocurrency? Am I experiencing this as like a just like new age retail bank? Like what am I, what, like my first question is as a user, um, am I understanding what I'm doing? It, it, in a positive connotation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Uh, people, uh, we've, our, the app team has spoken to a lot of users and some know it's crypto and some don't. Some don't know it's powered by crypto. They just think of it as dollars. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like your money in your bank account is just, there's dollars somewhere and there's different you know, layers of code wrapped around it. Stable coins are just different code. Right. And so it's a, uh, you know, it's a novel way to expose these things and give people access to them. But at the end of the day, it's some type of treasury product that's wrapped and shows numbers on the screen. Right. And so, uh, yes, different risks for sure. And, you know, like our app users see all of that in the agreements and things like that and the terms and services and warnings. Um, But, uh, but yeah, like from a product perspective, at the end of the day, like people just want dollars. Uh, And so we, Help them get those. And and so again, I'm not trying to um, pick you apart or anything, but just trying to understand the user experience. Like when I like uh, Columbia, right? I just happened to be there recently, and is one of the reasons I'm super excited to have this conversation because uh, here's some alpha for real world. Like if you go to Columbia, every other store, like literally every other store, is a money changing store, and like that's because. 
you know, I think right now it's approximately 5,000 Colombian pesos is equal to a dollar. And like, it wasn't always that way. It's like inflation is happening so fast. And um, that, you know, people use these money changing stores to uh, like protect their wealth and they pay like exorbitant fees to do it. Um, like these, you know, it's like changing your money at an airport. Right. And so like, if you've been to South America or Latin America, like you understand why there's a need here. Um, I, I just like, I'm having so much trouble wrapping my head around like these like Colombian people that I saw that have no idea what Ethereum or USDT is or how to evaluate USDT versus USDC or like, I don't even know how I would explain to them like a collateralized basket of yield bearing stable coins. Like how, how do you bridge the gap between like basically crypto Twitter and um, like the like goat herder who like wants to protect his savings? Yeah, no, it's kind of interesting. Um, So if you think about what's backing a savings account at a bank, it's actually a diversified pool of assets and loans uh, that are paying back interest. Uh, you know, the bank has a book, and at the end of the day, like your dollars in a bank account are backed by a diversified book of loans uh, with the, the Fed behind it, right? Uh, and that's where the interest comes from. And so there's a, in many ways, I think that these on-chain yield products are similar, right? Like not everyone around the U.S. understands the intricacies of the banking problem or the banking situation, and like. We can sit down actually does, right? Um, although more people do now after Silicon Valley. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they do exactly. Um, but uh, I, I think it's my you know vision or view of how this probably evolves is that crypto, DeFi, Twitter, etc., is kind of like the people that actually understand how the bank works, right? And then the vast majority of people don't need to or want to understand that. And they just want dollars uh, that they can say with um, or some kind of unit of account that pr- helps them preserve their wealth. And they don't really care what that thing is or what the tech is or how the financial incentives work behind the scene. They, ju- they just want this thing that helps them preserve and grow their wealth. And so that, that's like generally how I think it works in the U.S. To, in today's financial system and likely how it works in the future is is the guy that you saw on the side of the road in Colombia going to be doing L1 Ethereum transactions? Uh, no, definitely not. I don't think I should be doing L1 Ethereum transactions, right? Like they're too expensive. <laughs> um, but uh, but that to me is like, you know, that's, that's, I don't know what the, the right metaphor is for the traditional finance world, uh, but you know, the, the bank to bank interactions right like that's the kind of stuff that happens on l happens out l1s and then people get access to it like in derivatives down the line um in safer more wrapped forms that is and so that one of the things that i actually think is cool about reserve is with these yield bearing stable coins they can be bridged to any l2 they can be held in a centralized exchange like our app uh, or coinbase or wherever and that yield uh can kick it that will continue to appreciate there um, and the over collateralization mechanism works cross chain, cross app, et cetera. And so um, that like that to me is like one of these really cool things of how you think about, okay, how do we build this thing that taps into the deep liquidity of Ethereum DeFi compared to anything else um, in crypto uh, that is actually exportable and usable by people on Polygon or Arbitrum or Base or wherever. Yeah. And I think like, I, I think 
the the biggest takeaway that I'm taking from you when you're building when you're building in crypto for real people is that like you you need to just focus on the experience and like if if any of this is to be successful like no one actually gives a shit that there's like crypto or ethereum or any of this involved it just like needs to be like an app that like people want to use and like does stuff and this is exactly going back to what you were saying about like netflix right literally no one chose netflix because they're using aws and not like their own custom shoddy servers or right like they were using aws and not like the chinese servers or whatever like they used it because like they offered something that people wanted to pay for and wanted to use and i think like that um i i think like what's just so special about reserve is like it's it's so easy to be like stuck in DeFi and feel like, okay, eventually we're going to create technology that means something to somebody. And until then, like, we're just here to gamble and speculate on the way, but like, like you guys found a way to take like, just like the really basic stupid stuff that we can do on chain and make it like relevant to people in the real world. And I think like, that's very cool. It's actually, it's funny. It's like, uh, so the team used a very traditional tech approach of testing the hypothesis early and so like they did it by taking our beta you know our test version of the protocol which was just a stable coin with diversified backing uh it didn't have all the fancy default protection or the yield or anything like that um and they took that and they went to see like okay people that have seven percent inflation a week in venezuela uh they don't really care about two to seven percent a year in the u.s like that, that would be, that doesn't matter, right? So like, let's just go test out stable uh, and see if those are some of the people in Latin America one, right? And so they, they validated that um, in, in 18 countries and, and they're trying to figure out, uh, you know, like any growing FinTech, they're trying to figure out, okay, what's the next level of growth come from? Um, but uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it was fun to see. And that was, you know, big thing that excited me when I joined Reserve was, um, that they care about actually helping people uh, and solving real problems. <laughs> yeah, and uh, listen, like helping people is good, and that's something that we should all like try to do and ascribe, like hope for, and blah 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 blah. Right? But what what I just think it, it's not about even helping people; it's just about like creating products that people actually want. And I think like especially in this like the most degen ecosystems that we're in, like you know, I'm not trying to throw too much shade, but like. Once you get like past curve, it like we are just so lost in creating products for other gamblers and like ourselves that it's just um, you know that what Reserve's doing is is different and it's different because like it is using crypto to solve a real world problem and I think you know again I can I can like keep going down on like why that's cool but um, uh, you don't have to convince me. <laughs> before we like kind of pivot into the the more protocol stuff and like i really want to talk to you about like how reserve is using things like curve and the infrastructure we have to like supercharge the product um is there anything worth kind of discussing on the um like platform and the off-chain side that we didn't cover here but yeah so uh last week actually two new folks deployed new products on our platform. Uh, one is called ETH Plus, and it's a diversified LSD basket um, with some slight over collateralization. 
uh, incentives for you know five percent of the staking yield, I believe, um, goes to the over collateralization RSR pool. Uh, and so, what are those people doing, and why are they getting paid five percent? Uh, they are responsible for diversifying the basket over time. And the goal of it is actually, um, it was launched by someone named Iridian, um, who's uh, who's super tied in with a lot of the different. Uh, liquid staking platforms and, you know, he's working on a liquid staking overview project with the Ethereum Foundation. And uh, he's, um, you know, he's really excited to make this Ethereum aligned. Like not only should these things, these sh things shouldn't be basket weighted by the size of the LSD. They should be basket weighted by um, more about the yield actually. And more, it should be flatter, like a more um, uh, simple, basket waiting, I'm getting stuck here, uh, that uh, uh, makes it so that, you know, it's like in theory, as it grows, it can actually help diversify the validators over time. Um, and so super excited about that one uh, that just launched last week. Also high USD, uh, HYUSD, uh, which stands for high yield USD. Uh, was launched by someone in our Discord that's been in our community for a long time named Tom. Um, and it's it, this one's really cool. It's backed by... Um, the goal is to have a uh, reasonably safe high yield uh, in DeFi where 80% of it goes back to the holders of the stablecoin. So it's a yield bearing stablecoin that appreciates over time. Uh, hopefully soon it'll be worth $2 instead of $1. Um, uh, but uh, the what it's backed by is actually uh, Flux Finance, uh, USDC and DAI. Um, Flux Finance is a wrapper around tokenized treasuries. And so it's, it's an interesting way that you know, the F tokens actually have near treasury rates on uh, in DeFi. Um, so it's like, you know, one of the biggest, deepest liquid markets um, that's been tokenized and now has this lending market that kind of brings that yield on chain. Um, so it's partially backed by that and it's partially backed by uh, curve pools. Uh, you know, two of the highest yielding stablecoin curve pools. Uh, one is MIM and one is actually the USD uh, curve pool. And so all of the rewards from these different yield assets are sold off periodically um, and distributed to mostly the R token holders uh, and also partially to the RSR pool. And it, for the, I think actually for that one, uh, the guy who deployed it, um, him and a team potentially as, as they grow it, uh, are getting like 3% of the, the yield that's generated. So it's, it's really cool. It's like a platform for entrepreneurs as well. Um, to test and experiment and, uh, you know, see if they can build a sustainable business over time. So staked RSR, the, the whole concept behind this is people that are like completely out, like they don't necessarily need to be holding the R tokens, which are the basket of assets. They just have this separate token called RSR and then they stake it against the specific baskets with the upside being that they get some sort of fees or value accrual and the downside being that if something happens to the basket where something breaks peg and needs to be replenished, the first place that that comes from is by selling off the staked RSR to that pool. Is that correct? That's exactly right. The RSR holders can choose which R token they want to stake on. Um, and then in exchange for uh, being the first capital at risk, deciding what the basket is and choosing how the revenue is split, they are the first capital at risk. And so, or they get paid the underlying yield rather. And so it's a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a really cool aligned incentive, uh, we believe, where the people that are making the decisions are the ones that get ahead first. 
um, it, it's a key part of the protocol design. Uh, and so, you know, in theory, over time, um, you know, like in stablecoin worlds, people talk a lot about uh, endogenous versus exogenous capital. Um, and, you know, RSR is endogenous, right? It's not, it's capital from the system, right? Um, as opposed to the rest of the token backing is uh, fully exogenous, right? Um, Luna is famous for having only endogenous capital. Uh, and um, they did, yeah. Um, but the uh, what's you know what we think is interesting about this is it's actually fully backed by exogenous capital one to one, uh, and anyone can mint or redeem for that backing, and that could be like USDC and Ave or whatever. Uh, but then there's this over collateralization thing, and over time, as these things are more diversified, that that um, RSR uh, becomes stronger and stronger over collateralization. Ah, because what you're saying is that the over collateralization creates a buffer that protects your first, like the phrases, the the first capital at risk or whatever the, yeah, yeah. No, that's super interesting. Yeah, we're, we're excited for these to get bigger and bigger and hopefully uh, the over collateralization will be stronger, right? And in the case of defaults, uh, it can be sold off in a more efficient manner. Um, yeah. Okay, so super cool. So we just like kind of described how reserve is this like kind of, if you will, meta protocol that has like each of these like different baskets and each of the baskets are like, in some ways, like kind of sovereign where they have their own like rules and things that they can include and like, quote unquote, like controllers. And so um, can you talk a little bit about like, the how like reserve um, coordinates between all these and and just like give you a little bit more um, direction. Like one of the things that's like very exciting to me about reserve is that um, it's like one of the few protocols that has figured out how to use the curve game for like a real purpose. <laughs> um, and and so like there from the outside, like I have this sense that um, reserve protocol like has some sort of um, either directly VECRV stake or VLCRV stake and has some bribable assets and like definitely like wants to play these games to um, help these like individual pools. But I, I'm a little like trying to figure out how you coordinate between like the reserve protocol and specific pools and like how all that stuff works out. Yeah, it's uh, so you're exactly right. We do have a big stack of uh, VLCVX um, on Convex and also uh, SDCRV and VESDT uh, and staked out. Um, <laughs> getting all the different letters right. Um, and yes, yeah, so a big part of our, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a stablecoin platform. Um, and in at the end of the day, liquidity is very important for stablecoins. And so we're trying to figure out what are the most efficient ways to incentivize liquidity on Curve, uh, where we think it's most easily and effectively incentivized. Um, the curve, um, the curve tokenomics, uh, I think you know, are one of the like clever inventions of DeFi. Um, that along with the AMM, right? Uh, it's like one of the the AMM is like a truly novel invention of DeFi that didn't really exist before. And it's just really cool, right? Like anyone can passively provide liquidity, right? And I, I think the curve tokenomics are similar. Um, a lot of tokenomics are just like full on inflation. Uh, curve is very inflationary, uh, but there's this like, you know, weird 
locking mechanism where the lock holders get these four different powers and uh, one of those powers is deciding where the rest of the inflation goes. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the um, vote bounties, as I like to call them, uh, and, uh, and also just the, the gauge, <laughs> the gauge, uh, the gauge voting every, every week and every other week on comebacks. And so, yeah, we, we are planning to this game. Um, we see it as a big growth strategy to incentivize liquidity. Um, as these things get bigger and bigger, then they might be more useful in other ways. Um, like the EUSD, uh, the first stable coin that was launched, um, is already used by MobileCoin, which is actually the, the, per, the group that launched it. Uh, MobileCoin is an L1 privacy-focused blockchain, and they bridged EUSD there in order to use it as digital private cash. Um, and they've got an app there that's actually, it's kind of similar to our app, except it can be used by anyone around the world privately. Um, it's like worldwide Venmo. Um, on crypto. It's, and it's like a great experience. The UX is so clean. It's an amazing product, actually. Um, the, uh, uh, and then the other big use is USD is held by RPE, um for the users. And so the, all the users throughout Latin America and throughout Latin America on our app, um, are all, it's all USD under the hood. Um, and so besides those two, it's all in the curve pool. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're, our, our business model at the end of the day is we're staking RSR and participating in these pools just like everyone else. Um, and so, you know, the higher the, the higher the curve pool, the more revenue that accrues. Yeah, well, because it, it's super interesting, like as a strategic asset, uh, just for brevity, I will refer to all derivatives as VECRV power. <laughs> but um, like, you can look at that as two ways, right? You can look at that um, as like, this is really important liquidity support for uh, stable coins that get issued, or this is like a really high impact or a very low cost way to increase yield on certain pools, right? And and maybe that's two sides of the same coin or not, but um, how are you thinking about using your VECRV power to, uh, you know, deploy it strategically based on like these two kind of like different needs. Yeah. So we see the V, the, uh, VECRV, uh, power, uh, accrued in different ways, um, as one of the things that we can offer to people that deploy on our platform, uh, as a way to help grow their products. And so, um, you know, like we don't need to deploy the curve pools, but actually very similar to how Frax incentivizes equally across all the different pools. Uh, we're, we're doing the same thing. We're incentivizing equally across all the different curve pools um, that have our tokens or reserve ecosystem assets in it. Um, we, ha we have tested out the vote bounties a little bit, um, but it's kind of interesting. It's like uh, renting versus owning. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you put up a vote bounty, you're kind of, uh, that money goes away. <laughs> and um, so unless there's like a sustained stream of revenue there uh, it, the business that doesn't just work for every business model um and so uh it's more efficient for us i think in the long term and strategic for us to own it um and you know just like any asset you can buy it and use it and then sell it and that's what's pretty cool about it um and so it's like kind of like cac but it's kind of an investment but it's kind of you know it's like strategic thing um so yeah it, you put it to, you put it perfectly earlier that it's a bunch of different things all wrapped in one um, from a strategic asset for a protocol tone. 
there's like more reason, like there's so many reasons why it makes sense for reserve as a protocol to like go out and acquire this voting power. And I think that there's like a lot of interesting questions of like, once you have it, like what are the interesting things to do with it? And like, I love kind of what you're saying, which is um, taking a page out of like the Frax VP book, which is like, we're not really going to be, um, you know, like conscious and picking winners and losers or like letting RSR like do any playing real games with this. We're just going to be simple. Like if you put TVL in curve, we will give you proportionately that like amount of, uh, you know, voting power. And I think that I, I'm, I guess is is reserve working on building some like protocol owned liquidity so that um, you got that reserve is building a treasury as well through this process. Yeah, we so we have deployed some treasury assets into USD. Um, and more, we'll likely do the same in others. Um, we uh, it's kind of interesting. We're still trying to figure out what is the optimal flywheel. Uh, you know, we've got some plans. I won't I won't share all the alpha on that front um, but we you know we do have some plans on how we're going to try to test some different things out and optimize this game but uh, at the end of the day we do see convex and um, curve as strategic and stake dow um, as uh, strategic partners as as we look to grow like you mentioned the revenue stream right uh, it's the interesting thing in our token could do that is launched uh, is specify a percent of revenue to go to a smart contract that buys and locks CVX um, and always votes on that pool, right? And so uh, there's like that could just be the, you know, 10% of revenue from this R token buys and locks CVX and incentivizes the pool over time. Something that just popped into my head is like, when we're talking about actually like being able to create these pools, um, how... Like at what level of like technicality are you envisioning um, this happening? Is this like okay, me and my family want to create like Rex family coin and and like it's like a consumer level thing, or is this like like really really deep behind the scenes infrastructure that like somebody like the the investment bank that Goldman hired on this consulting project might use, and then like no one would ever see it. It, it's interesting. Uh, we're trying to lower the barrier of entry. Um, so actually go to register.app, uh, which is the main DAP explorer for our protocol. Uh, there's like a really easy deployment flow. Yeah, register.app, register your assets. Uh, and um, it'll, uh, it walks, if you go to the deployment flow, it walks you through like choosing a basket and, you know, you can select from a list and, you know, there's a lot of different parameters for sure. Uh, but we try to put in defaults and help people make decisions on what they're going through. And so you don't actually need to code uh, if you want to deploy an R token. Um, and in fact, two of the people that deployed them don't code. Uh, and so um, there is like a, you know, in order for a collateral to be an available thing for the protocol and for the protocol to know how to interact with that collateral, uh, a collateral plugin does need to be written. Um, but anyone can write those collateral plugins. Uh, and so, you know, if you do want to launch something that's like a, a special thing that we don't support yet, uh, you can either talk to us and we'll try to write a collateral plugin for it, or you can write it yourself. And so um, we hope over time that more people will write collateral plugins for their own protocols. Because um, at the end of the day, what you need to understand is how that protocol works. 
and how it should be treated in a default scenario. And the people that wrote the protocol know that the best. <laughs> but um, right now we're knocking on doors and figuring out how these things work at a deep level. Yeah. And by the way, like anything you integrate with today, like probably won't be there tomorrow. So like, <laughs> but um, I, I, I want to kind of like move on to um, the lessons that you've taken from Latin America and building in the real world and that the unique perspective, at least compared to like the rest of the like American insular builders. And, and so I would love to talk to you about that, but um while we're still on this subject, how do you think about like fragmentation and and you know it's very cool to say that anyone can create their own stablecoin, but um, as we're talking about in Curve or anywhere else, like that has like serious implications on liquidity and on um, you know the experience of everyone is worse if every coin can't be traded. And so, how do you like balance this permissionless nature with um, just like the realities of how like economics work? Yeah, it, no, that's a, it, it's a super good point. I, I think there's, um, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a lot internally and actually externally is we don't know what the best way to save your money is. We don't know what the ideal basket is, right? In the future, it might be like real estate, stocks, bonds, some kind of hedging strategies, whatever. And as more and more things get tokenized over time, like people can test out those different types of assets. Um, but in the same way, I think in the same way that we saw um, thousands and thousands of ETFs get launched in the last 30 years, uh, I, I think that, you know, that this will likely be something similar. And we're trying to lower the barrier of entry so that that experimentation can happen uh, in the DeFi world as well. Um, and so, of course, there will be winners, right? Like the, you know, the um, the SPY ETF is much bigger than all the other ones, right? <laughs> uh, there's going to be power law winners for sure. Um, but at the same time, it enables people to build assets um, and launch assets and, you know, have these things that are used maybe in their app. You know, like a crazy example would be Starbucks launching a stable coin where the yield from the underlying goes to them, right? Uh, and, you know, you can imagine these like um, branded stable coins, basically, uh, kind of like what Binance did, right, with Paxo, right? Like there, there's a lot of interesting, you know, kind of like smaller use case things um, that, that could be interesting plays. And so I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I've got some guesses. Uh, but then in terms of the liquidity thing, like Curve uh, is becoming, it could be, like the ultimate Forex exchange, um, right? And they're making it so that you can swap between all these different pools as long as they're linked together in some way. You can make a trade from one low liquidity asset to another low liquidity asset as long as it goes through a bigger pool. And um, like they're releasing the lower gas version of TriCrypto um, and trying to make these things more and more efficient uh, that, that I think are really exciting. Um, so, yeah. Maybe like the combination of like this technology that we have in Curve, and I'm not even talking about like the emissions or the C like VECRV, any of that stuff, just like this, like what stable swap is and like the fact that um, what our tokens are, are not like these things that have like this um, intrinsic value that's like hard, that, that needs to be found in price discovery, but really are just basket of assets that have like real world value that 
like maybe this is a problem that kind of solves itself um and like like i i I actually the the world works in such funny ways right because like the usdc dpeg turned like literally sounds like the worst thing that could happen to our industry possible and yet like every single conversation i've had about it is with someone who is like you know what it actually we got really lucky because like we were able to use this event to like show that our protocol works or that it doesn't work or that like we had testing and you know all's well that ends well like that's really the 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 true takeaway from usdc is that, that there wasn't a problem right but um i think it's just like really cool that um yeah i guess i guess i kind of took us on a tangent here but um you got to like it, it's cool that your um your protocol was active and like really out there when this happened and we could actually see like okay what are the implications of this happening and what does it mean um what what does it mean and so um i don't know i i, I don't know if you have any thoughts that you want to share from the usdc event that um that you want to share I, look it was very stressful uh <laughs> yeah uh you know i mentioned we were like I think our mark the market cap of USD was at 10 million, um, and the way that like our protocol trades is with auctions, and so we don't um, like we don't have control over it. We can participate in the auctions, just like anyone else can, um, but at the end of the day, we're like, really hope this thing works, <laughs> and you know we'd obviously done like extensive testing and had five audits and uh but you know there there was just like a lot of nail biting like holy smokes usdc depegged we gotta make sure that like these auctions have to work and so it, it was really exciting to see the auctions all work um the uh and you know o- over time the protocol was able to re-collateralize and so it was, it was exciting to say um but you know we learned some stuff we learned about what uh the realities of auctions on chain and uh the reality of you know what it's like to participate in these things and um what it's like to build in a decentralized world where you're relying on third-party tools that may or may not have great front ends uh like gnosis auctions yeah no and i mean it's pretty it like something that's like super cool but like very scary about crypto is like we our whole industry and our whole technology is built on like you throw something out there with economic incentives and like just pray that it happens and like it normally does because like there's normally mev bots that are trying to get this like arbitrage and like it's fine but i mean especially like when push comes to shove and like you thomas your name was on the line like i get it man i get it (laughs) (laughs) it was definitely stressful um but it it, well it was also just so cool to watch like the protocol go through the steps because we're you know at the end of the day we can't control it it's actually fully permissionless and censorship resistant Uh, there's no master multi-sig that controls everything Um, it's controlled by governance and governance can make changes and but it has to go through an eight-day cycle um and so yeah there's a there's like a scary but freeing aspect of that. Uh, like we've we've tried to do decentralization from the get go, um, and it's really it's hard to build that way. It's slower. Uh, you have to think a lot harder. Uh, you have to plan a lot more, um, and uh, it, things just take more time because of governance votes. And so you know we're we're now in the stage of like if we want things to get upgraded or changed, we need to kind of go ask the community, hey, we think this should happen. What do you think, you know, what do you think? Uh, But anyone else can also put those proposals in. And so I I actually think um, 
I've always admired the way that Curve does this. I think that Compound also does a great job. I've seen people ask Robert, Robert Leshner in uh, Discord, like, when are you guys going to do this? And he's like, well, I don't know, put in a governance proposal. Uh, we'll see if people decide to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. I think, like, this is a path I won't let us go down because I would really love to have um, a whole conversation about, like, governance and, like, what, what real governance is. And, like, um, you know, there's some protocols that will say that exact same thing. And it's like just total BS where it's like, oh, post it on the Snapchat and we'll see. And it's just like, you know, none of this is real. And so I think there's like, there's a whole conversation we can have about that, that um, we won't uh, because we're running out of time. So before I let you go, like the, the biggest like thing I want to know is like, or, or the biggest thing I want to talk to you about is like in America, like crypto is a like, <laughs> a technology that exists so we can financially speculate on it, right? Like everything that is cool about crypto is, uh, it's becoming more relevant, but it's not relevant to the American experience, right? Whether that's like inflation protection or, um, you know, like a, a very politicized and vindictive government or, um, you know, export controls or like whatever, like these are problems that Americans don't have. <laughs> these are like things that are like academically and intellectually there for us but like we don't it, the american experience is like so unique and it's so unique to crypto um and so like with with our final time i'd love to ask you thomas like you're building products for people that like crypto is actually meant for that like when satoshi made this it was for like the people in latin america who are at the whims of like these old guys in washington who like at the end of the day like they're going to protect guys like you and me and so um, I, two part question. One, like what is your biggest takeaway for building for like these kinds of people and in these kinds of societies? But two, um, like what do you think the, the biggest things that like builders should learn from those spaces that like people that haven't had those kind of experience and haven't been exposed to those kinds of problems like just totally miss? Yeah. Um, so it is, uh... It is interesting and it sounds like super simple, uh, but I, I think that the big thing is just solve people's problems um, and don't get distracted on the tech. And, you know, I'm kind of repeating myself, right? Uh, but, it, it, you know, you mentioned all these things of like America versus the rest of the world. Um, I do think that crypto has been solving people's problems in the US just in a much smaller way, right? Like people have bought homes with Maker, right? Uh, you know, there's, there's like, uh, same thing with uh, Alchemix, which is like a pretty interesting, you know, unliquidable repaying loan, self-repaying loan. Like that, that's like a that's like a cool thing that people are able to do only because of these things. Um, but in uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, focusing on like realistically solving the UX problems to accessing these pro products is, I think, the big thing. And so, like at Reserve four years or three years ago when the app was launched, uh, there was a big decision, do we make this on-chain or off-chain? And they chose off-chain um, because the reality of paying for something in a country where it might not be that safe for people to know how much money you have is that on-chain solutions at the time just weren't there, right? And so like, do you, got, do you want the cash register, the person behind the cash register to know how much money you have in your account? Uh, probably not. Do you want the guy looking in the window 
back the door to know? Probably not. And so like we made the trade-off decision of we're going to build this app off-chain. Um, so that's like that's one example of like just fix the UX and don't necessarily do the visionary tech. Um, at the same time, though, don't take shortcuts that make it so that you can't ever get to the decentralized thing. Like our one of our core things is that um, currency is stable uh, if it's not controllable by these centralized parties. Right. And so like from day one, it's permissionless and censorship resistant. We can't touch uh, the protocol. We can't adjust it. We can upgrade it. We can release a new version. Um, we can propose governance changes, but uh, people should be able to uh, have a say in how it works. And so that, that's another big thing is like, don't, you know, don't shoot yourself in the foot with some short term decisions that you can't roll back. Um, and yeah, the other thing is, uh, because all of the front ends, like our for on the protocol side, one of our core users in the beginning is DeFi users, right? Um, and all of the front ends are so spread out, whether it's DeFi Llama or CoinGecko or Zapper or DeBank or all these different things. Like honestly, building a network is really useful. And so like I can re you know being able to reach out to the team at Zapper and ask them questions about how do we get our thing listed. Uh, really useful <laughs> and so um, you know we, we were joking a bit before uh, we started recording on you know like hanging out in the discord talking to random people like that can actually be really useful uh, <laughs> yeah you know it, it can time suck for sure but building some connections that you can uh, that you can you know build a relationship and reach out to someone and get some help on something is really valuable in a decentralized ecosystem um, so I think those are you know if I'm gonna put on the advice hat <laughs> yeah, that, I think I think that that's so important in this space and in life. It's just like the the world's so small, and like all you have is like your reputation. You know, you're born into this world naked. You'll go out naked. Like all you have is like the things that you do and the people that like see you do it and like want to be around you. And you know, at the end of the day, um, like what else are we doing here other than? Like that, that is what building is. It's always like about people and not about things. And so, um, yeah, man, that's why I love reserve. It's cause it's like, it's real people that have real problems and, um, like they need your tech and, and like, I'm just so proud of you and excited for you that, um, someone's doing real work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I really appreciate hearing that. Before we wrap this up, um, any uh, plugs or any, where, where can we find you on Twitter? Anything that you want to shout out? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I mentioned our DAP, which is register.app. Um, you can go and check out and deploy your own stablecoin there or see the ones that have been deployed. Um, you can you know, follow me on Twitter, Mattimost, M-A-T-T-I-M-O-S-T. It's like Matamore, but a little bit more. Uh, and uh, then, um, yeah, check out, uh, check, if, you know, if Curve fans are listening to this, uh, check out some of the uh, EUSD, HiUSD, or ETH Plus uh, Curve pools. That'll probably be around in a couple weeks. Cool. All right, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. See you next.